You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Bill Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Coming at you live with another little bonus episode This is our draft reaction. We're going to talk about the players that the Packers took. Uh, We do have all three days of the draft in the books now at the time of this recording. Uh, Gil, you and I have not spoken at all about how we feel about uh, this overall draft class, have we? No, mom's the word. All right. We wanted to get our live reaction on the show for you here today. (laughs) So, um, At, at what point uh, did you because we, we, we did do a little, you know, just thumbs up or thumbs down on the draft and we both said thumbs up. Right. At, at what point did you decide you were thumbs up on this draft uh, after after which pick? Uh, you know what? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, it had to be Christian Watson. I, so, I, I think once that pick was made. And I knew that Gutekunst had addressed the wide receiver position. Uh, I felt like I could exhale a little bit. And I liked the two first-round picks. I think they were a little unexpected to a lot of observers, but I liked them. But if, Mm. if the wide receiver situation wasn't addressed in a big way, it would have left everybody with a very bad taste in their mouth. So once the trade was made and uh, Watson came off the board, I think Packers nation exhaled and uh, everything was okay after that. And I liked the rest of the picks as well. What about you? Very cool. Um, for me, it was once we took Devonte Wyatt, that was when I was excited. Um, I, I really wanted Wyatt at 22. The fact that he was still there at 28 and we took him was super exciting to me. Uh, Quay Walker, I did not have very high on my board. I actually had a fourth round grade on him, but I'm, I said before the draft, I didn't do a lot of work scouting linebackers. I'm not good at scouting linebackers. I don't know anybody who is good at scouting linebackers. I think the linebackers who are pre-draft darlings usually end up stinking in the pros. And then the guys <laughs> who get taken later and who didn't get much hype end up being studs. I think it's just such a difficult position to scout. To me, we we know how little Gutekunst values inside linebackers. You look at the draft capital he's invested in it in recent years. It's nothing. It's um, less than nothing sometimes. <laughs> less than nothing, yeah. Uh, the fact that... He was so excited about getting Quay Walker that he took him at 22 with all the studs who were still on the board at other positions at that time, including guys that we thought were studs at the linebacker position. Devin Lloyd at Utah, mm-hmm. um, Walker's teammate, Nicobe Dean, that Gutekunst took Quay Walker there. That excites me a lot because that shows you how much Gutekunst thinks and the rest of his staff think. Quay Walker is a freak among freaks and that he is going to be a huge, huge player for the Packers. I'm unbelievably excited about that. I'm not changing my assessment of what I saw of Quay Walker when I watched him in college. I'm still not really impressed by what I saw, but the problem with scouting linebacker is that you never know what the, what the player was asked to do on that play. You don't know what his assignment was. You can guess based on how the play broke down based on what he did. But to me, I usually feel like scouting linebackers pre-draft is a waste of my time. I don't, I don't, I don't know wow. anybody who's good at it. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a 
Well, the thing about linebackers, and maybe this speaks to your point, so much of what they do is dependent on what their teammates do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the defensive lineman doesn't occupy a blocker, the linebacker can be taken out of the play, even if they're in the right place and read the play properly. Uh, sometimes they can make a mistake and it can work out very well, miss their assignment, but they're in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very often linebackers, the, the teamwork that a linebacker has to do on any given play is a big part of their success or failure. And we don't always know the assignment. We don't always know how it was supposed to be. And that does make it more difficult to address. Well said. I am really excited about the addition of Devontae Wyatt. I thought that I thought that he was a top 10 talent in this draft. There were certainly questions, character questions about him. Um, but Gudikins talked about what those were. Mm-hmm. Made me feel better about it. Uh, he said that there was, uh, it wasn't violence. It was, you know, just getting too rowdy and breaking a door down, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, we were doing our uh, Packernet podcast live draft stream. Bunch of guys on there, and a couple of the guys were just like, man, if, if uh, getting too rowdy at a party and, and breaking somebody's door down is enough to make you tumble in the draft. It's a really good thing that scouts weren't paying attention to what we were doing in college because <laughs> we did a lot worse than that. And I'm, you know, putting that into perspective a bit and Gudikins also just mentioned like he was a young guy, really young guy. And obviously we all know young guys are stupid. Even older guys can be stupid. Um, and that, this is the reason they brought them. They brought him in for a pre-draft visit was they wanted to get to know him, ask him a lot of questions. They feel comfortable with who he is as a person. And Gutekunst seems to have a high degree of certainty that there, there will not be any future issues with Wyatt. So that was reassuring. So I can just focus on what he brings to the team on the field. This dude is an absolute freak. What a stud. We've been begging for help for Kenny Clark for years. I have whined about it on this podcast ad nauseum. Can we please get Kenny Clark some help? And, and you know, every time, <laughs> every year we do our 53 projection and I'm like, there's no defensive tackles on the roster besides Kenny Clark and, and Dean Lowry. Can we get like another body in the room? Right. Last year they take TJ Slayton fifth rounder and i'm going all right it's nice would have been nice to get a little bit better than a, a fifth rounder it would be nice to invest a little bit more capital into that room let's take stock of where we stand right now probably uh to start the season you're looking at kenny clark and jerron reed as your number one and two in the room um because Devonte white has a lot to learn about this system mm-hmm. you got tj slayton in the mix dean lowry we talked about Dean Lowry earlier um, in the year and how he seems like a prime candidate for a restructure or maybe an extension. I think my thoughts have changed a little bit at this point because they have so many dudes in that room now and Dean Lowry is not cheap. He kind of makes a little bit more sense to move on from than he previously did. I'm not saying that I'm arguing for cutting him, but moving on makes a lot more sense today than it did at the time that we did that episode. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you want to have what minimum of five quality uh, defensive linemen on your roster. Yeah. Uh, how confident are you about, Jerron Reed staying healthy. Uh, I I would hold on to Dean Lowry. I don't know if I would extend him. I might restructure him a little bit if it'll free up a little bit of cap space. But I am not sure. I would say this. With this draft and with the way this draft fell, the writing is on the wall that Dean Lowry probably at most has one more season in Green Bay. Yeah. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I kind of just gave my thoughts, but what I'll add to it is that, you know, I'm, I'm not arguing that we should move on from Dean Lowry, but if they do, I will understand it and be a lot more okay with it than I was. I think that the defensive tackle group is pretty clearly the best it's been in a long time. Oh, yeah. going, going back to 2018 um, would be the last time I think you could make any argument that we had this good of a defensive tackle group. I'm really excited. I don't know how in the world Kenny Clark's going to get double teamed in 2022. How do you double team Kenny? And, and if you do, great. That means you got somebody else who's not blocked at all. And we got a lot of studs that we feel great about getting in there. Um, if you're focusing too much on Kenny Clark. So I think this is going to be fine. Uh, I think that our defense is looking stacked if you look at any individual position group across this defense, cornerback, safety, linebacker, um, edge rusher, defensive tackle, I think the the two position groups that stick out to you the most of of being maybe um, fine with their starters, but being maybe a little bit thin if you're if you uh, experience any injuries, would be safety and mm-hmm. edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But we did add an edge rusher. And by the way, one of the edge rushers I really liked in this draft. Now, this would, this would be Kingsley. Uh, he told us how to pronounce his name. It's uh, Anagbar. Kingsley oh. Anagbar. And do you know what his nickname is? Do you know what he goes by? Go ahead. JJ. Hey, there you go. <laughs> My guy. JJ Anagbar. So this is fun. Um, so, we, you know, we did nab him. Uh so Anagbar was projected to go at about pick 66. So really late second, maybe early third. We took him in, what, the fifth round. He was our second, fifth round pick. Is that correct? Yeah. Or, or not our second, fifth round pick. No, no only fifth, fifth round, round pick. pick. Yeah. We traded yeah. back, though. So he was our fifth round pick. I had him uh, on my board as the 87th player overall in this draft. But although there were edge rushers that I thought were better prospects. Kingsley was one of my preferred guys. He was one of the guys, even though I on paper, I would say, okay, these five or six guys, I think are probably better players. I just really liked Kingsley. I liked his play style. He's the guy that I wanted them to take the most. And when he kept falling further and further and further down the draft on our live stream, we kept going, why is Kingsley falling? Come on, the Packers have to take him. He's sitting right there. Right. And then they were on the clock. They traded back. Um, I wonder if I can play a sound clip. Uh, I think I can play a sound clip here. I'm going to try Go this. Go ahead. All right. Uh, don't talk while I'm doing this because your voice is going to be crazy loud if you do. Okay. Pulling this up. It's loading. This is uh, Brian Gudikins talking. I'll give you the signal when you can talk. Just looking ahead to the final day now, how much, how many more draftable type players do you think y'all have coming up tomorrow yeah. than maybe in previous years? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I touched on this, I don't know if it was yesterday or maybe in, in the, the pre-draft press conference. I think the way the numbers shook out, the top of the board kind of was about normal. Um, but the bottom of the board is, is, is richer, I think, just because of the COVID years and some of the guys that came back. So we had more numbers at the bottom. I think kind of at the, the the third, fourth, and fifth round, it's still pretty much holding true to kind of, you know, the last 10-year standards, whatever they might be for us, you know, the way we build our boards. But um, after that, it gets pretty, um, you know, it, the numbers are bigger. So uh, we'll kind of see how it goes tomorrow. It's, um, you, know, you never know how it's going to fall. And um, we're kind of discussing uh, this evening just about some of us that have been around here a while. You know, we've seen guys where, you know, you – you kind of fall in love with that guy. You think you had a chance to take him, and they get taken the pick ahead of you. That's happened on numerous occasions, and it hasn't happened in a long time, and uh, we're kind of hoping it doesn't. All right, there we go. So, um, Ryan, Brian Goodkins, this was this was um, uh, the second night after after the draft, and the second night he was saying that he was kind of tipping his hand that, yeah, we really would like to pick up some more seventh-round picks and take more players because we think that the, that the players in the seventh round are much better this year than they usually are. Right. So he gets on the clock. He gets the offer to move back with the Broncos, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and in the process picks up a seventh round pick and and we're all just crushed we're like oh Kingsley was sitting right there. Uh, you know what? It's fine because they weren't going to take him anyways. They were going to take somebody that, that we've never heard of because that's that's what they do, right? And then on the, he's still there, and the Packers take him. We were so excited. And, and here's the thing with Kingsley. Um, there's a lot of talk about that he maybe is kind of um, limited to being a situational pass rusher, that that he um, is not real good at sealing off the edge, You know, maybe not that, that reliable in – run defense and i'm saying okay and you're saying that we got him in the fifth round i am so okay <laughs> with that if you're talking about why we shouldn't take him in the second round because right. of those limitations fine i'll give you that but we got in the fifth round what a steal yeah it, it, it is definitely the fact that you know what i'll even i'll go this far if he's going to be just a, situ- a situational pass rusher for the rest of his career, if he says, you know, plays five, six years, seven years in the league, yeah. and he's a seven sack a year situational pass rusher, you get that value in the fifth round. I'm happy. I mean, right now, what this team needs is a third edge rusher. That's the, the uh-huh. big need, at least in the short term. If he could fill that position, and then maybe do more down the road. You you got to be happy with that. Yeah. So safety was still kind of a bit unaddressed. However, well, late in the draft. Well, yeah. So we, we took uh, Tariq Carpenter in the seventh round, and I I don't think that it's uh, you know really kind of it really any kind of a stretch to say like what are you expecting from a from a seventh rounder, but. Maybe you don't need a third safety so much anymore because you have Quay Walker. You're going to be able to play a lot more two linebacker sets where you're not going to have three safeties on the field. And from what we heard from the coaches talking, they this is kind of what they had wanted to do last year anyways. Uh, Ryan Schlipp on the Packernet podcast made a great point that last year, actually, you know what? It wasn't even Ryan. It was uh, Sam Holman, I think. Sam mm-hmm. Holman, uh, follow him on Twitter if you aren't already. He's a smart dude. Made the point that kind of early, midway through the year, uh, October 4th, I think it was actually, because um, it's my wife's birthday, uh, and I was sitting at her birthday party being excited about this. <laughs> uh, the Packers <laughs> brought in Jalen Smith right. to come in because they were hoping that he could play next to Devondre Campbell and provide that, that, um, that other linebacker uh, help there. And that didn't work out. Jalen just wasn't good enough to be on the field. And they had to go back to playing more three safety looks. So this is kind of exciting. You're by adding Quay Walker, you're maybe addressing the immediate short-term needs that you had at safety all along. Obviously you're still in a situation where you're one injury away from maybe being a bit thin, uh, across the board. And the other thing that we had talked about with safety is that we didn't know how long Adrian Amos was going to be around. Well, the fact that they did not invest a high pick in Adrian suggests that they're going to go ahead and just give Adrian a new uh, contract, which would be fabulous. I would be super happy. I, I would be too. And then, you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention when you talk about Tariq Carpenter, and I think this is something that was true throughout the day three, especially of this draft. A lot of these guys were drafted with special teams also being in mind. Carpenter has four, four, seven speed. He's a big guy. He has experience on special teams coverage units. He could also be that hybrid linebacker uh, safety in an ideal situation. You, You drafted a guy uh, who has in, in Romeo dubs, who has punt return experience. Are, let's, let, let's, let, let's stay on Tariq for a second. Cause you brought up an interesting point. Yeah. And Gutekunst agreed with you. He actually, he called Tariq a tweener, which is not something you want to hear your GM <laughs> calling his players, but he called him a, a tweener, uh, which, which I think is accurate. He, he, uh, actually on my big board, I had him listed as a linebacker and a safety. He was drafted as a safety, and then Goody said, you know what? We're going to get him in the building. 
Our coaches are going to do some work with him, and we're going to figure out whether he's a linebacker or a safety, which room is he going to be studying in, which which uh, coaches is he going to be working with. Maybe we'll move him around a bit in different packages. That's going to be interesting uh, to see, you know, and, and just giving you a little bit more depth at either linebacker or safety in the event of an injury is pretty nice because this is football. You're going to lose some guys to injury. You just don't know where it's going to happen. Yeah, no question about that. And and again, I think part of it also comes back to this. And we saw, you know, in addition to special teams being a theme, especially on day three, the other theme that you have, and it's something the Packers under Gutekunst especially have looked for, is versatility. And yeah, yeah. so many of the guys they drafted, whether they were the offensive linemen, uh, you, you talk about the, you know, the safety linebacker combination, a guy who could play inside linebacker or outside linebacker, tackle or center. Versatility is something this team values, and it showed throughout this draft. You were trying to make a point about Romeo Dubs, or Dobbs and his uh, impact on special teams as a returner. Yeah, he he has experience in that area. His very first game in college, he had an 80-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, and, and then That's it, I'm sold. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and, and Christian uh, uh, Watson. Watson has kick return experience. Not that they necessarily want to go that route, but again, I, I definitely see uh, Basaccia having influence on some of these picks or – even if he didn't directly have influence, Gudekunst is at least saying, you know what, we need help on special teams. And these guys definitely either have experience or have the tools to be helpful in that area. And all I could say with regard to that is it's about time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think I think you uh, ink Dobbs in as our uh, day one uh, punt returner, maybe the kick returner as well. That'd be interesting to see. Uh, let's talk about day two. So actually, you know, if you if you look at where I had guys on my big board, Devontae Wyatt was my 22nd best player in the draft. Uh, I, I really wanted him at pick 22. There were a couple other guys I liked as well, but the fact that we were able to get him at 28 was shocking to me. I didn't think he'd still be there. I was so happy about that. Uh, the next two highest guys on my draft board are Sean Ryan. Uh, he's the uh, left tackle we took out of UCLA kind of maybe projects as a guard, but Goody said that they actually do feel confident about uh, sticking him at tackle. And then Wake Forest, Zach Tom, I had, so uh, I think I said Sean Ryan was at 41. I had Zach Tom at 71. I was super excited about Zach Tom. Couldn't believe that we got him where we did. Uh, Zach Tom I'm just going to make a, a way too early prediction. I'm penciling Zach Tom in as your 2022 right tackle for the Green wow. Bay Packers. That's wow. I, I think I think that's where it's going to um, to wind up, which will be nice. We can um, we can afford to baby Elton along a little bit here. We have so many tackle options now after this draft. We took three tackles in this draft. Love it. We can afford to sit, tell Elton, you know what? You are 85 percent healthy. Let's just keep working on your rehab and get you to 100%. Let's not push it because you're young. We want you here for a really long time. And then when you come back, there is no rush to put you at tackle. I think we got guys that we can put at tackle. Let's keep you on the inside, let you uh, put a little bit less uh, less strain on that knee. Um, you know, and, and, and we don't need you to be 100% of the player that you were immediately right before the, the injury. We can let you come back and just kind of be, you know, uh, a, a a lesser version of who you were pre-injury and still be okay with that when we have mm -hmm. you on the interior. So I'm super excited about that. And then Christian Watson, we got to talk about this. So I'm really glad that I did my little spiel uh, on our last episode pre-draft, just saying I think we're taking Christian Watson. And so here's my stance on him. <laughs> right. I'm really glad I said that. Um I'm really excited about Christian Watson. I am going to be his biggest fan because we, I, I, I'm, I'm not changing what I said about my assessment of him as a draft prospect. I had concerns, 
Brian Gutekunst traded two first, two second round picks to move up and take Watson. And he was trying to do that on night one. He wanted to take him at pick 32. Wasn't able yep. to, to, to get that done. That means Gutekunst does not share my concerns that he looks at Watson's flaws, looks at the uh, red flags that I'm seeing and says, eh, uh, JJ, I think you're, you're overblowing this a little bit. I think that our, our coaches here are more than sufficient to get Watson to where he needs to be. We really like his freak athleticism. This is our guy. So that's all the stamp of approval I need is that Brian Gutekunst took him there. They took him so early, gave up so much to go get him. It's the same thing with Quay Walker is I'm looking at both these guys and I'm saying, I was not super high on them pre-draft. It's all different now. I'm geeked. I'm really excited. Can't wait to see these guys play. And for Christian Watson and the rest of the rookies, I have very low expectations for 2022. I do not expect you to be an elite receiver. I don't expect you to be our number one targeted wide receiver. I'm not expecting you to play perfectly. I'm expecting you to look like a rookie. And rookies always pretty much stink to a degree. And that's fine. Would be nice if we had, um, you know, somebody of Devontae's caliber out there this year. We will be fine. We've got Aaron Jones in who's going to be in the receiving um, business a lot this year. I think Alan Lazard is going to be a, a big player in the wide receiver room. We still have Randall Cobb. We got Sammy Watkins. And I would probably expect them to still bring in somebody else to at least come in and uh, work out with them uh, maybe during OTAs, during training camp. They're going to bring somebody else in, some other veteran who very well may stick around for the season. Christian Watson, I'm crazy excited about him, but more so for the future. I'm just I'm just not putting that pressure on him to perform in year one because it's just unrealistic. And that was always the case. That was that was my big thing with drafting wide receivers this year. Yes, I want to do it, but not to be the savior of 2022. It's it's just unrealistic. Oh, I agree. And and I think it's especially true of Watson. Look, uh, the kid has great raw ability. My concerns uh-huh. surrounding him was that he would probably not be ready to contribute a lot right away because of the uh, the big adjustment from a small school like North Dakota State, the limited route tree that he ran there, the caliber of competition he was facing there. Does he have the tools to develop into an outstanding receiver? Absolutely. Right. right. But it'll take a little bit of time. And if we needed someone to plug in to 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 be a big part of the offense this year, he's probably not going to be that guy. But down the road, if you can harness those raw skills and and get his technique improved, his route running improved, he does have some dropping, you know, some hands issues that need to be worked out a little bit. But the the tools are there so that by let's say 2023 or 2024, this kid could be outstanding. The question I have, and, and you touched on it, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm still bringing in a veteran before yeah. training camp starts, whether it's you wait till June 1st, you make a, a, a mid-level trade, uh, right. you, you bring in somebody, uh, I want one more reliable veteran. Doesn't have to be a star. I'm, I'm not asking for the moon here, but you know, someone in the, the uh, you know, someone who's been there and done that who even more ideally has a little experience in a Brian Gutekunst style offense, or maybe has some kind of connection to Aaron Rodgers that would help that transition along a little bit for the short run. Yeah, I think it's certainly likely that they will do it. I think I'm okay if they don't. And let me just kind of point out who they have on the roster right now. Yep just so that we're kind of thinking about the numbers game. So uh, pre-season, we were talking about how many receivers the Packers typically carry on their 53. The number over the last 10 years has been 5.6. Now, one of those has been Devontae Adams, so I would expect it to be higher this year. Mm -hmm. The most they ever had was they had seven twice. Uh, One of those was in 2018 when they actually, they listed eight, but one of those eight was Ty Montgomery, and he was just a running back that year. Right. 
So it's seven. So they've had seven twice. Here they here are the uh let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here here's the top seven guys by my count. Lazard, uh, and this isn't in this is not in any order. I'm mm-hmm. just listing the names. Lazard, Cobb, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, we're at four, Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins. You're at six right there. So right. then for the seventh, because I don't think they're going to keep eight. No. But here's for the seventh spot. Here's some of the guys you have competing. You got seventh round pick, uh, Samori Ture, mm-hmm. which is how you say his name. I, I listened to him saying this morning. I had to practice it. <laughs> You've got um, the, the guys who have been sticking around the last couple of years in Juwan Winfrey and um, uh, Malik uh, Taylor. Right. You got those three guys, I think, would be your top candidates for competing for that seventh wide receiver spot. And just a reminder, they the last few years, they have kind of liked to give that last special that last wide receiver spot to somebody who is first and foremost, a special teams contributor um, and maybe even just a dedicated returner. So if you are talking about bringing in somebody else, you're talking about moving on from. Sammy Watkins, Al Lazard. That the, that's kind of the only options. I I don't think they're moving on from Randall Cobb because he took a pay cut to stay here, and you know Aaron Rodgers would not be okay with moving on from him. You're talking about bringing in somebody to replace Al Lazard or Sammy Watkins if well, you bring somebody in. You, you you're making a few assumptions here. Number one, yeah. you're assuming that everybody stays healthy because there's always attrition at some point where somebody is not available. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're forgetting that they're going to keep most likely two, maybe even three, but most likely two receivers on the practice squad. True. And those guys. True, but, but, but Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard are not going on the practice squad. No, nor should they, but neither are Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Amari Rogers, or Randall Cobb. None of those guys are going to go on the practice squad. So at that point, Terrell will though, possibly. Uh, yeah, I could see that, so, but you got, you got six guys right there. So you're saying we bring in a, a veteran free agent or trade, uh, to take up the seventh wide receiver spot, not necessarily be wide receiver seven, but take up that seventh spot. Well, here's, here's and then you got Juwan Winfrey, Malik Taylor and Teray on the outside looking in and, you know, hoping to be on the, on the practice squad. Well, here, here's the thing. And, and this is my concern. I still, looking at that list, do not see a wide receiver one. And I'm not even sure I see a strong wide receiver two on that that list. That's so okay with me, though, because our offense works so much better when Aaron is not forcing it to his security blanket. We're 7-0 without Devontae. You look at how Aaron spreads the ball around. And by the way, Wide receiver one this year is going to be Aaron Jones. Just take that to the bank. Wide receiver <laughs> you know, one is going to be Aaron Jones. And, and and here's the other thing that we didn't address in the draft, and we addressed almost all of our areas. We did not draft a tight end. That is true. And I, I think that tight end, we'll have to come back to that because that, that's a big topic. Yeah. Uh, t- tight end is, is an issue. We'll, we'll have to make that its own, its own conversation. Maybe on this episode, maybe on a future episode, but that's absolutely worth talking about. But for for wide receiver, though, I just I think that they're okay. I think that they're that it's definitely possible that you bring a guy in. Um, Matt Lafleur still sounds like he doesn't feel confident in the group, and that's I that is a real thing. I think you know Goody has to take into account where his head coach is at um, on his feelings on the roster. Uh, Lafleur was quick to downplay what contributions any of these rookies could make in year one, and just be like, yeah, they, you know. <laughs> they get they got to figure out where the bathroom is first and then they got to learn the playbook and you know and and try to be nice but they're rookies um that's kind of where his head is at i think but you know we, we can't forget amari rogers taking a step in this system i the 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 big thing that was really really lacking from our wide receiver room was a deep threat well you got christian watson and romeo dobbs here and you got a summer to work with them on how to be that deep threat. And you also got Sammy Watkins. He's not a slow guy. He can be a deep threat as well. 
that the ability to stretch the field is something they were lacking when MVS would go out last year. And I think that they have sufficiently addressed the need for some burner speed in the room. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely speed. I mean, I I would say, you know, Watson certainly has the speed uh, that, that teams covet. And I mean, that was what was special about him. And By the way, think, Watson Watson makes MVS look slow. You look at their 40 yeah, times, Watson yeah. makes MVS look slow. I love that. And, and even Teray, I mean, he led the Big Ten with 19.5 yards per catch mm-hmm. last year. He's got speed. He has other things he needs to work on, uh, but he's got very good speed as well. Here's something uh, I like about Teray, by the way. He's 25 years old. Yes. He's, he's much older than the uh, other rookies we drafted. I think that that is going to be a factor. I think that he's going to be a bit of a leader voice for the rookies. You know, d- despite the fact that he was the last guy drafted among that group, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of experience. He is older, a little bit more developed. I think that's going to count for something. Yeah, I, I think it will as well. And, and I think it will put him in a slightly different situation when it comes to how he's approaching trying to make this roster and look dubs also has very good deep speed uh so you know the speed issue has certainly been addressed and that was something that goody was talking about and that matt lafleur was talking about they needed to uh add speed to the roster i think they did that the 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 question is I'm just still not sold that this team has the reliable wide receiver one or two that you want heading into the season. And, and, and that's fine. I I agree. That person is, is not there. The difference is just that you view it as a need and I really don't, but but we, we agree in our assessment that that person is not there. Yeah, no, I I think that's right. And I I think we both think that it's a need. It's a question of how much of a need or how urgent is it to address it right away. Uh, I mean, I don't don't think if you were, if if I were to ask you right now, out of 32 NFL teams, the Packers receiving depth chart, where would you rank it out of 32? You're You're not not giving me a top 10 number. No, you're not going to like my answer. Go ahead. My answer is I don't care and have never cared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I don't view it as a huge need for the Packers. I, I just, I think they're going to be okay. If they make zero additions, I think their offense is going to be okay. They, I don't want them targeting a number one and number two wide receiver all day. I want the tight, I want the ball going to the tight ends, the running backs, and a plethora of wide receivers. I want, the ball going where Matt LaFleur called it to go, not where Rogers feels safe having it go. That is, that is what I want more than anything. If you were to offer me to have um, Devonte Adams back on the team for what we gave up for him, I would have some pause in deciding whether that's actually something I want. Despite the fact that Devonte Adams clearly is the best wide receiver in football. I would have some pause about if I wanted him back on the team because we've seen for years what Rodgers looks like when he gets scared and is forcing the ball to Devontae. I'm tired of I've seen it enough, and I don't want a Devontae replacement. I want Rodgers to put the ball where LaFleur calls for it to go. I want it spread around. I don't want defenses. At the end of last year, Defenses were laughing because they were saying we knew all we had to do was cover Devonte, And a lot of people took that as, well, that is proof right there that the Packers receiving core isn't good enough. And I'm going, we have open wide receivers. You look at any of these plays that really broke down, you know, big critical plays where uh, the game is on the line and Rogers throws it to Devonte and it's incomplete. There's other guys who are open and Rogers just doesn't see them. Am I mad at Rogers for that? No, but I want to take his security blanket away and make him throw the ball to the read that was actually called. I, we, we have just, we've seen this enough times. I'm just ready for something else. I hear you, but okay. Did you see it was going around social media on Twitter and on Facebook? I saw it, uh, that the Packers last year, 
led the league in yeah. number of times when no receiver was open on a pass pattern. And I think yep. it was 20%. I don't want what you take Adams out of the equation. That number goes up. Yeah. And my concern is not so much like you have a, a, a wide receiver one, like Devonte Adams. And, and maybe I'm turning this back on Rogers. You have a wide receiver one, like Devonte Adams that creates more favorable matchups for your wide receiver two, your wide receiver three, all the yep. way down the line because of all yep. the attention that defenses have to give. If you're double teaming Devontae Adams, somebody else is open or at least getting single coverage that should be able to get open. It's true. That's true. That's the a good problem point. is all of a sudden now Alan Lazard is going to be matched up against the best defensive back on an opposing team. And no offense to Alan Lazard. I love Alan Lazard as a number two or number three receiver, but he will do a lot better against your team's second or third cornerback than he will against their number one cover corner. And I don't want want that 20%, one out of every five plays where nobody is open to suddenly be 25% or 28%. And... You know, that's that's what my concern is. We don't need another Devontae Adams this year, but we may need another Sammy Watkins, a number two or number three guy who will reliably be open, who when matched up against that second or third cornerback on the other team on third and eight is going to get you nine yards. I don't need 49 yards, but I need the nine to keep the chains moving and to keep things going and and to make sure that my Lazards and my Cobbs uh, are not always seeing the best cornerbacks on the opposition. So that's my concern. I don't need a number one receiver necessarily, but I need someone who's reliable and consistent. And I'm concerned that the younger receivers aren't there yet. I think we're both concerned about that. And that's why I'm saying they should bring in one more guy. Yeah, that's a good point. And if they don't, then the burden is on Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers to take a step in their second year in this system and be better than they were last year. Uh, They need to be getting open. We need Watson and Dobbs and Watkins when they're on the field to actually be contributing. Uh, You know, and, and a lot of the time last year, by the way, defenses had an advantage over the Packers receiving core because MBS was out. Uh, He missed a substantial amount of time last year and they did not have any burners. Nobody was fast on, on this offense. And so it wasn't stretching the defense. They could play a lot of zone coverage, uh, working a lot of safety help and they could afford to both double cover Devante and still be in position to cover up everybody else as well. That was an issue. I think we're better in that department this mm-hmm. year. But again, to to your point, uh, if, if they don't bring somebody in, it's the burden is on the players on the team to play better. I am not okay with Lazard, Cobb, Rogers, Watson, Daubs, Watkins. None of those guys being able to get open, uh, you know, better than than eighty percent of the time uh, combined across all of them. That that's not okay. They need to play better. They need to play better. And I'll say this, Aaron Rodgers needs to play better because his security blanket isn't there. Okay. Uh, You know, you had a great chemistry with him. He was your favorite receiver. Understand why, but you know what? The the Packers were, what is it? Seven and oh, without Adams in the, in the lineup for a reason. And the reason is that Rodgers wasn't afraid to spread the ball around and to go to alternatives he needs to lock into being able to do that all the time now. And, and, the, and I and am the, not overly confident necessarily that he will. Well, he might. He might. Uh, he he was on Pat McAfee over the draft, and I was not watching because I was doing my own live stream. But people were telling me, they were sending me quotes from him. Sounds like he told Pat McAfee he is going to be at OTAs because he wants to work with these young players. That is really encouraging and exciting to me. I'm really happy about that. Well, we knew that, though. He was going to the mandatory OTAs. 
we uh, I don't know so- if he's going to like, the voluntary. Sounds like he's going to the voluntary ones now. I sounds hope like so. He, he changed his mind. Good on that. Good. Uh, uh, that would be real, a good step forward. Real quick, let's talk about the undrafted free agents. Actually, before we do that, we have a couple of um, drafted players we got to talk about as well. We didn't touch on Rashid Walker. Rashid Walker was a guy I had a fourth round grade on. We took him in the seventh round. I'm so excited about that. I think he probably is a little bit limited, um, but you know, it, it, not for nothing. Aiden Hutchinson um, said that Rashid Walker was the best tackle he ever played against. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I like Rashid a lot. I would have been happy with him in the fourth round. The fact we got him in the seventh is super exciting to me. I think he makes the team for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, we are, we kind of already talked about uh, Samori Ture, but we're going to have to dig into him a lot more. Ture was actually one of my unranked wide receivers. That doesn't mean I didn't think he was good. It just meant that uh, there were a couple little thresholds that he didn't quite meet that, that, you know, if I had 36 wide receivers that I scouted for this draft. So you gotta, you gotta find reasons to keep the other guys after 36 uh, off your list. So you actually have time to, to look at everybody. There were a couple things that he didn't quite meet. So I didn't have him on my list. Right. Um, but I'm really excited to dive in more into him. Um, I've seen some plays of him. He looks like a stud. I am excited about that. And then for the free uh, undrafted free agents, none of them were ranked for me at any position, um, which is fine. Kind of an interesting pile of names and positions that we have to look at here. Uh, so um, we drafted three offensive linemen. And then the first undrafted free agent that we went ahead and signed was Caleb Jones, uh, tackle out of Indiana. Here's the big knock on him is really, really low athleticism. He had a 1.9 RAS. You can see why he didn't get drafted. Right. Um, and then his his PFF grade wasn't great. He had a 60.2. So we're going to have to dig into him and see what's special about Caleb Jones. But the fact that they're still addressing the offensive line is interesting. Higher than Caleb Jones, I did have Cole Schneider out of UCF. I didn't have him ranked, but um, he was on my board uh, because he was on the board of some other people who I really like. And so I just had an aggregate of where he would be ranked. His PFF grade was 67.9. And one of the reasons why I did not have him ranked is because I didn't have an RAS for him. I think he did not uh, go to the combine. We don't have his testing numbers so we need more information on him and uh, UCF obviously is a pretty small school there in the American conference. Um, so he's uh, he, he's a guard. Then he got running back Tyler Goodson out of Iowa. This is an interesting one. And Tyler Goodson, actually, I forgot. He's the only undrafted free agent that I did have ranked. I had him at running back 20 um, and he's not, bad he had a 9.6 ras freak athlete uh pretty good grades uh decently productive in college as well um but not quite as productive as you'd like to see but i think this is a guy who who really might be in the mix for running back three i think there's a pile of guys you would say are in the mix for running back three um which obviously would include last year's seventh rounder kylan hill which we all love Mm mm-hmm then we got uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajun defensive end, Chauncey Manic. What an awesome name. What a, <laughs> what a cool name. I know nothing about him. He's not even in my database. So that's going to be a TBD. Do you have any info on Chauncey Manic? Nothing major, no. Never heard of the guy. Uh, Missouri defensive lineman, Akil Byers. Oh, we got another. We got a cornerback here, finally cornerback. Not that it was a big need, but... Baylor cornerback Raleigh Texada, uh, not one of the guys who was mentioned to me when I had a Baylor uh, writer um, on my other podcast to talk about all the Baylor players. He didn't even mention uh, Raleigh Texada, so um, he wasn't e- even uh, super high on, on on Baylor's list of guys to be looking at. And then not to be confused with Baylor the school, running back BJ Baylor, we signed out of Oregon State. Great name. Here's another defensive tackle. Um, man, I should have practiced this before we got in the pod. 
I'm going to, I'm going to try his name. It's one of those Hawaiian sounding names. Ready? I'm going yep. to try it. Go ahead. Good and, luck. and I'm going to immediately get canceled for, for mangling his name. Sorry to you, sir. All right. <clears throat> He's out of Utah. Ready? Hawati Pututuau. Not bad. That's my, that's my attempt at his name. Hawati Pututuau. All right. <laughs> Much easier to say. Anthony Turner out of Grandview. <laughs> He's a wide receiver. Then we had Penn State linebacker Ellis Brooks. Uh, Ellis Brooks had a 5.5 RAS. I forgot to mention Anthony Turner. Uh, no, I didn't. He's not on my in my database, so I don't okay. know. Actually, quite a few of these guys were not in my database. Uh, but Ellis Brooks is on there. Uh, 69.6 PFF grade. Um, he was consensus 243 overall. Kind of an interesting guy there. Uh, Wisconsin wide receiver Danny Davis. So any uh, Wisconsin fans should know who he is. Yep. Missouri wide receiver Kiki Kism. Uh, by the way, I always, I always, uh, you know, whenever you and I talk about, about Wisconsin players, we're always a little bit clueless because you're a Michigan fan. And I'm an Ohio State fan. And, <laughs> and we we're still, still wrapped along. up. Imagine that. <laughs> we're still, still wrapped up in our own rivalry. It's like, oh, yeah, and Wisconsin exists. And the majority of our fan base really cares about Wisconsin. We should pay more attention to them yes uh so missouri wide receiver kiki kism so that's three wide receivers uh two defensive tackles and a defensive end one cornerback one running back uh one linebacker and then wrapping all up with oklahoma state's safety trey trey sterling who is um number 479 consensus uh, low athleticism, 4.6. Actually, I shouldn't, shouldn't say low. That's about average, actually. Right. Most every position except for, I think, um, it's either guard or center. One of those two, the average is about five. But for the rest of the league, average is, is about four and a half at every position. So uh, 479, uh, and that's about where he was on the couple of big boards of guys that I like. Uh, overall, PFF grade 64.4 on defense. So uh, interesting group of UDFAs this year um, kind of some conflicting thoughts for me on it because they're all guys I hadn't even heard of with the exception of which running back was that uh, was it BJ Baylor? No, the other <laughs> running back Tyler Goodson out of right. Iowa um, had not heard of any of the other players at all. Um, but Goody was pretty adamant that, there was just a crazy amount of depth there in the seventh round and undrafted free agency. So I'm, I I'm expecting some big things out of these guys um, just based on how Goody was hyping them up. So anyways, interesting uh, bunch of players there uh, real quick. Goot, not Goot. Your name's not Goot. Your name's Gil. Gil. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite player in this draft class? Wow. Uh, ha, 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 ha. From a, like who I'm looking forward to seeing the most, who I think was the best pick, best value. Who, who, like, who you are the most excited to see play. Ah, boy. It, you know, it's got to be Watson. I think that's the okay. guy I am most excited to see play. I, I, I am pleased. I'm happy with the overall draft class. I think we addressed most of our major needs here. I like the emphasis on special teams. I like the emphasis on defense. But the guy who intrigues me the most, who who I think is going to have a, a, a big impact on this team long term, I, I got to go with, with Watson. How about you? I'm taking Sean Ryan, the tackle out of UCLA. Uh, we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to do some really, really deep dives into all these players. We may even slow it down to the point where we're doing just one player per episode. Uh, we'll, we'll see just how much information we come up with on each of these guys. Um, but I'm super geeked out for Sean Ryan. He is just a nasty, mean run blocker, mm-hmm. decent pass blocker. Uh, the, his physical attributes really intrigue me. Uh, he's got kind of short arms. That's the knock on him, which makes you think you might kick him out inside. But, you know, David Bakhtiari, the knock on him is that, you know, his his length and, and size overall was not really what you wanted anyways. And obviously that hasn't held him back at all. But. Sean Ryan, I think, first of all, I had a second round grade on him, an early second round grade. 
And he was a guy that I, you know, as I was looking for who made sense to me as players, the Packers might select in the first round. I was thinking, okay, they, they always kind of reach for a guy who's projected in like the mid second round. So I was looking at guys there. (laughs) Sean Ryan was the name I kept coming back to. And I kept saying, I think Sean Ryan at 28 makes a lot of sense. Right. We did take him in the third round, by the way, maybe, you know, because the, the Packers kind of never miss at offensive line, which is nice. And then they always miss in the third round. So maybe this is like, you know, a uh, cat always lands on its feet, but a a, um, uh, a jam on bread always lands jammed down. And so if you, <laughs> if you strapped a cat and a, a piece of, of jammed up bread together and then dropped them on the floor like which which way would go up you know it, great analogy right <laughs> keep going because <laughs> it's a it's it's a uh immovable object meeting an unstoppable force right here there you go who's, who's gonna prevail the curse of the third round or the strength of the packers offensive line scouting so um i'm excited for this I, and and it just gives me so much more confidence in the death of our offensive line that not only did you take Zach Tom, who was a guy I was crazy about, and Rashid Walker, who I loved a lot, but you also took Sean Ryan. You tripled up at guys who can play tackle or guard here. And that was the big thing that I just was worried about was just overall depth in the offensive line room and a lack of guys who could run block to even a a subpar degree because <laughs> we were so far below subpar at run blocking last year. So yeah. I to me... I just think that improving the offensive line is the number one thing that we could do to move the needle in terms of offensive production. I agree. We needed receivers for sure. Glad we took Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and uh, Samori Ture. Glad about them and their additions to the team, but fortifying the offensive line, I think moves the needle further. You know, I think if you took no offensive line men and took some just, Everybody agrees these are stellar receivers who are exactly what you need versus getting no receivers and getting elite offensive linemen. I would I just think that I would bet on the draft where we took the offensive linemen. And here I think we did did a nice blend of both. I'm really happy with the offensive line um, additions, and I'm super geeked to talk about Sean Ryan when we get to his episode in a week or two here. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. I'm very happy with the fact that we sort of seem to, A, address a number of positions that we have consistently not addressed with high priority in this draft, interior, defensive line, inside linebacker, and then the fact that we address special teams, which has been mm-hmm. something that has killed this team for longer than I'd like to admit. And, you know... Those two factors, plus, I mean, and and you always say the cliche is football games are won and lost in the trenches. We address both sides of the ball in the trenches. I like this draft. Obviously, you don't know anything till two, three, four years down sure, the road, sure. but, but I like the potential of this draft class. Yeah, and if I were to bet on who could be immediate impacts for 2022, just throwing out a couple names, I think... I think that uh, maybe not early on in the season, but certainly like maybe midway through the season, I could see Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark just being a lethal force that just completely shuts down any hope of running the ball on the inside. That that might be something that, that really works out well. Devontae Wyatt was, in my estimate, and, and, and on my big board, he was the very best defensive tackle in this draft class and, mm-hmm. and by a pretty wide margin. Now I put Trayvon Walker ahead of him because of the massive upside that we all said was there. And and you know what? He deserves to go number one overall. I'm fine with it. But as for who's a better football player today, no doubt in my mind, it was Devonte Wyatt. Uh, I think also either Sean Ryan or Zach Tom might be a, uh, a pretty key impact player early on uh, in 2022 might be a day one starter, either a guard or a right tackle would make a lot of sense for either of those guys. Maybe both uh, probably not both. I don't know how many, how many rookies you want on your offensive line. And, and we're hoping to get um, 
uh, Bakhtiari and Jenkins back. But I, I could really easily see one of those guys being a day one starter. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Quay Walker and Christian Watson, I, I would say, are both in a similar boat of there is a role for them on day one. Yep. And they have the physical tools to be impact players right away. And then for both of them, if they needed a bit of time to develop, it would make a lot of sense and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And again, when you're talking about the middle and later rounds of the draft, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for guys who could give you something on special teams and, and be reserves initially, maybe carve out a role, whether it's one thing they do particularly well, Mm -hmm. Uh, And then hopefully down the road, develop into something more than that. One last thing. Uh, I think we closed the show last week by trying to make a prediction. What position would the Packers triple up on in this draft? And I think we narrowed it down to it's got to be either O-line or wide receiver. I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember which one we said was more likely, but it was both. So that that was kind of funny that uh, that that ended up um, not being a waste of time to talk about. So that was fun. All right, yeah. folks. Go ahead, Gil. No, it worked out. It, it, and, and and I think this was a, you know what? If you were to give this draft a title, this was a very goody draft. It, it, it just met all of, it, it was goody being goody. And that was, that's fine with me. It is a very good draft. Yavol. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for us today. We'll be right back here with you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at askmillhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com